Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God which engages us is the first half of today's Gospel reading, thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, it happens frequently on those HGTV home renovation shows. The house looks great on the surface, it just needs a little more floor plan modernization and a few other touches here and there, and it'll be great. But then the first wall is opened, and suddenly things don't look so great anymore. It's usually mold or termites or rotted wood, resulting in a lot more work that has to be done, and as a result, a lot more money that has to be spent. Sooner or later, just about every home renovator learns that you have to be concerned with more than mere outward appearances. When our gospel lesson for today, Jesus also is concerned with a lot more than mere outward appearances. Our gospel lesson for today is taken from the Sermon on the Mount that was delivered by Jesus, as was our gospel lesson last week. Six times in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus uses the same pattern of speaking. You have heard it was said, but I say to you. Six times he quotes the traditional teaching of the rabbis on a subject, and then six times he teaches by his own authority, but I say to you. Today... We will look at just the first two of these so-called but-I-say-to-you statements by Jesus and see how in both of these, Jesus is concerned with much more than mere outward appearances. In the first, Jesus says, You have heard it was said of old, you shall not murder. Now, I think it's fair to say that the people there listening to Jesus were probably feeling pretty good, pretty secure at this point. After all, they had never murdered anyone. And likewise, if I were to ask the question here and now, which of you have violated the fifth commandment, you would think to yourself, oh, the fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder. Certainly, I haven't violated that commandment. We, like the people listening to Jesus firsthand, would be very confident, very sure that we have kept the fifth commandment perfectly. Ah, but not so fast. Again, Jesus is concerned with a lot more than mere outward actions and outward appearances. He is concerned with our heart and our mind, with our feelings and with our thoughts. And that can be a little disconcerting. Jesus goes on to say, But I say to you that everyone who is angry, and the translation of that verb should indicate an ongoing action, a continued action. In other words, keeps on being angry with his brother, will be liable to the judgment, and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. You see, it's not just the outward act of murder that Jesus is concerned with. It's our thoughts 
and our feelings as well. And did you notice that that anger Jesus is speaking of is directed toward a brother, a fellow believer, a brother in Christ? Whether it is the outward act of murder or all of the insults that Jesus cites when he speaks, they all come from the same heart. They all come from an ongoing, unrelenting anger. And Jesus is concerned with far more than mere outward appearances. Jesus' words in our gospel lesson for today make it impossible for us to think that we are keeping the fifth commandment if we are harboring ongoing, unrelenting anger towards someone else. And by extension, perhaps hoping that something bad happens in their life or hoping there's an opportunity that arises so that we can get revenge. This is so troubling to Jesus, so disturbing to Jesus, that he commands us to do something about it. He says in our gospel lesson, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Did you notice that in this case, it's likely that you have been the one who has sinned against your brother in Christ? He says, your brother has something against you, perhaps the result of a previous sin. In Matthew 18, Jesus handles the opposite scenario and says, if your brother sins against you, go, and show, go to your brother and show him his fault just you and the brother. Whether you are the one who sins or the one who is sinned against, Jesus doesn't say, wait for that person to come to you. No, he says that you should take action. You should go. You should be the one who is initiating the act of reconciliation in the same pattern that God initiated the act of reconciliation between us and God through his Son, Jesus Christ. Go and bring about not just the appearance of reconciliation, but actual and real reconciliation. Next, Jesus deals with the sixth commandment. You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And again, it's probably fair to think that most, if not all, the people to whom Jesus was addressing probably felt pretty good, pretty secure that they had kept the Sixth Commandment, just as I would hope and would certainly say that most here, if not all here today, would again feel very secure, very comfortable that we've all kept the Sixth Commandment. We haven't committed adultery. Ah, but again, not so fast. Jesus is interested again in more than just outward appearances and outward actions. He goes on to say, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And obviously this applies also to women concerning men. Again, it's not just the outward act or the outward appearance. It's our thoughts. It's what's in our heart 
that draws this condemnation from Jesus. This, in this case, lustful intent in this but I say to you statement. We can be very good at looking righteous and innocent to others, but what about our thoughts and our feelings at times? Whether it is lustful intent or anger or jealousy, envy, covetousness, or another sinful thought, Satan will find it, and he will try to exploit it for all that it's worth. He will use other people, he will use technology, or any means he can muster in order to set up shop in your heart. We can be very good at looking righteous and innocent and blameless to others, and there's certainly nothing at all wrong with that. But we also know our thoughts at times. We also know our feelings at times. And we would be embarrassed, perhaps even ashamed, if they were revealed and made known. Fortunately, we have a Savior who is completely, perfectly righteous in our place. A Savior who is not only righteous in his outward acts, but in his thoughts and in his heart. There is no difference, there is no distinction between his outward righteousness and his inward righteousness. And if we could see into his heart and into his mind, we would find there no anger, no bitterness toward us, only grace, mercy, and love the love that compelled him to go to the cross in our place and there suffer the righteous anger of God in our place and there be abandoned and forsaken by God in our place and there die the death that we should have experienced in our place. And as a result, we now have a different appearance before God. We now appear before God not clothed in our own unrighteousness, but in the perfect righteousness of Christ, both exterior righteousness and interior righteousness. His righteousness, which has been credited to us, attributed to us now by God's grace, on account of Christ through faith in Jesus Christ. Even though we still sin daily in thought, word, and deed, we are at the same time both sinners and saints who appear before God clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ inside and outside. And so, as we continue to walk down this path with our Savior Jesus Christ on the way to eternal life in the presence of God. As we continue to grow into him, we pray that he will continue to cleanse our hearts with his word spoken, taught, and read, and with his supper. We pray that he will continue to increase in us not only our outward keeping of the law, but also our inward keeping of the law. 
so that the difference between our outward keeping of the law and our inward keeping of the law might continue to shrink, might continue to lessen day by day. And we pray that he will continue to work in us so that to the greatest extent possible, we will love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. May God so grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.